0: you're listening to leveling up where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business it's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host eric sue
1: this episode is brought to you by leveling up live so the episode that you're going to listen to right now is actually from one of the conferences that we do you can learn more at live.levelingup.com and without further ado enjoy the episode so anyway, our next guest up is Noah Kagan. He actually founded AppSumo. Aima helped him take it to nine figures. And I was just talking to Noah outside and Noah's really adapted over the last couple of years. He's got a YouTube channel now with 400K subscribers. He's got a podcast. He's on a quest, which he might tell you about in a little bit. He's a very open person.
0: I mean, passive income, it's, it's like it's a garden, right? You plant a seed and then over years, it's evolved. I think the video title, a lot of times it's our producer. He just, he's exaggerating. Hubert? It's not Hubert, it's Jeremy, he's French. And I think it's like 300,000 a month, which is, it sounds like a lot, because it is. <laughs> 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 but you always need to ask about the profit, not the revenue. But in terms of passive income, I guess I have some run, rental properties here. Like anybody here own real estate in Austin? You're like a genius for owning that. I think the interesting passive income is like software. We created Suma.com, So we created the software, we spent like two to three years building it, and then we spent two or three years ruining it, and then now it makes a million dollars a year without doing anything. So that, that part's good. Ruining your business is not a good part. That, that, I would avoid doing that. But there's been passive income from that. That's a few hundred thousand a month. Crypto stuff, I think a lot of people here are excited about that. Real estate, Airbnb. Yeah, a whole variety of places.
1: So okay, so with Suma, let, let's go on that one real quick because it was doing a lot more in revenue before and you had a lot more people. So. How big is that team now? <laughs> like, There's one
0: person, one customer support person. I think he's around $20,000 a year. Wow. And it's, it's just kind of even, like, it's flatlined, right? It's not like it's growing a lot. No, it's dying. It's oh. definitely dying.
1: <laughs> 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 it's,
0: it's, I don't recommend that. I wouldn't do that strategy. I'd try to do this. It's the up and to the right strategy. I think what's the, the lesson takeaway from y'all, like, for people creating software, it's the interesting thing about it is we, with the upfront investment was really high, and then you get these compound returns, hopefully compounding, but returns for, you know, it's been a few years without us even working on it. And so the upfront investment was, was definitely worth it. I think the, the other lesson for people there is that as you're building a product, like who is the customer? So when we are doing Sumo, it was like cheap-ass email pop-ups for small business owners. And then we got really excited to like, to be against HubSpot and then do Shopify and then try to do like Marketo. And people kind of picked us apart at all the different places, and so we had nothing. And it just became kind of like a smorgasbord.
1: I think there's an important lesson in, in focus here because you had Sumo, right? And like, it was like, there were a lot of people competing in the pop-up space back then, but then AppSumo was just this. It was just a gift that kept on giving and it just kept growing, right? So it seems like you cut everything down, but maybe I could be wrong. I was just observing from the outside.
0: So I think taking a step back for, in terms of like passive income and in our business, so we had this AppSumo site that I started, it's funny, I was talking to a partner today and I was selling them. I was like, hey, we're doing, and I was like, oh, this is pretty fun. Like find cool tools, get a deal on it, which I love, everyone here likes deals, and then just tell people about it. And that's what I can, I can get paid for. But the problem was it was very inconsistent, right? Like, so we'd put out a deal and it would make a lot of money. Like we have deposit photos, which is like a seven figure deal. And then another deal would do like $700. And so we wanted recurring revenue to offset that. So in all of our businesses, like what's the actual problem you're having and how do you then just focus on that problem? And so recurring revenue was it. The AppSumo, experience, which is interesting to think about is, I think the thing with AppSumo is like we just really got lucky with the business model in the beginning. I mean, straight up. We just found like, a big market software, trillions of dollars of money, everyone wants customers, and then we just kind of all put it together. And then I'd say that the, the non secret of it is sustainability. I think the reality with all the businesses they'll all work if you stay with them. And the problem with all of us is that we want it soon. And that everyone always hears that shit. But just commit at least five to ten years and you'll be good. And so I think the fact that you guys have done that like Absumo, it's year twelve. I didn't get rich until year nine, right? Like rich, like in terms of how we measure people in, in our society. And how do, so it was, how do you measure people? <laughs> I, measure, I mean, and from the wealth of like when people label others as successful, like how much of the money they have and stuff like that. It took me about eight to nine years to actually start making like seven figures a year. My goal is to sustain, right? And my goal is not like, how do I make more subs or get more ad dollars or brand partnerships? Like, how do I do this for the next 10 years? And what I'm noticing is sometimes with the content you asked about passive income, or we did this video recently asking 80 year old millionaires if it was worth it. It was really interesting and, and really interesting questions, but it's how do I just do content that I can keep doing for 10 years? And so I think we have to think about in like our businesses, how do we, you know, we created this for a reason, so how do we not lose sight of that? But the point is, I think with crypto or Discord or the NFT space, it's really, for me, exciting, because I love tech, to just go play around with it. But like, who here has actually bought an NFT? Okay, good amount of you, or like Eric's NFT. I I think the idea is go experience it, go buy Solana, go open a wallet, go send it to random strangers, and then I'll scam you. (laughs) And once you start interacting with it, you can make your own decision if this is something you want to participate in or not versus just chasing other people. So like after doing NFTs, I definitely sat with it for a lot. I got excited to buy it. I bought like a a monkey for 12,000. Which monkey? The Solana monkeys. And I've been trying to buy like a CryptoPunk and I'm like, I'll sell you mine. You
1: ready?
0: We'll talk about it. I don't know, so I think it's fun to experience it and then make your own decision. Like where does this fit into your own operating guidelines of what you want to be doing? So anyways, I bought it. I saw, wow, I can buy something and they're not really able to track me. And then I just put it on autopilot. So then I literally went to Coinbase, $500 a month in 2016, up until maybe last year where I stopped and then I transitioned that to those others. So the point I'm making for you is go be an active professional in some area and then leave everything else on autopilot. And so I, didn't, I think a lot of people get distracted with trying to be a professional in areas they should just be on passive.
1: You have a business framework for the stuff that you're buying though. It's not like you're buying random shit coin. It's I'm buying, you're buying Solana, Avax, whatever. And you don't have to know what that is, but I just wanna know what your thinking is behind those. Cause it's a buy and yeah. hold strategy, right? So
0: I think taking a step back, you have to look at like your, your goals from your financial perspective. So like how much do you actually need to live? How much do you actually want to retire? Can you do that sooner? A lot of people, I'd say literally everyone here needs less money they think to live the best life they want, way less. I think we're all like, we need this arbitrary number. Well, how much do you actually need? And so I'm already good, so I don't really need more. So I, have to, I try to be mindful of that. And then in terms of like how I choose crypto, just look at your net worth. And then I do asset allocation still. So I have 5% in cash, 30% in crypto, 30% in real estate, 30% in equities, and then 5% just a risk. And then within that, just decide what stuff you wanna do. And so for me, with, I had enough holdings in those. And so I said, all right, what are the other riskier things in crypto I can move to, NFTs? Mm-hmm. Higher upside, also harder to track for the government, for taxes, and then Solana, and Matic are newer ones I think have bigger upside with bigger downside.
1: And just to clarify, you're basically rebalancing every, what, month, every quarter?
0: I just literally leave it on autopilot and I look at my finances once a month. Mm. So I just, it's all, like, it buys everything it, every Sunday. And that's what I was doing with Bitcoin Ethereum where just every day would buy, like, I eventually increased to, like, 30K a month.
1: God, I guess my question is if one coin appreciates, like, 10,000%, you'd probably have to rebalance it, right? I don't do anything. Okay,
0: all right. I just don't sell. I, don't, I only buy, I mean, same with my stocks in general, I just buy things I'm holding forever. And I think that's like the simplest way to think about your, like investing. We were talking about angel investing. I only invest in companies I use. That's it, that's my only thesis. We were writing and then I think what's interesting about this knocking on doors that we can all learn from is that, and I, and I love the way of thinking about this, is that the upside of asking is unlimited and the downside is zero. And then the reality of all the things we can get in life if we just ask for it is just unbelievable. It truly is. So I biked two more miles and I was like, I swear to God, that's him. I've got to go do it. And I think the thing I would encourage you is the three-second rule. So in that moment, you're negotiating yourself out of asking for a raise, asking for the customer to buy, asking for a discount at Starbucks, the coffee challenge, which is something I've talked about a lot, which is you ask for 10% off at Starbucks. That three-second negotiation is the moment you do it. But I think there's things in life that are hard, and most of the things that are hard are the things that are worth it. I think being called to something is a great thing to listen to. Like if you're feeling called to be at this event, if you're feeling called to have something for dinner and with ayahuasca for me, like I wasn't in a relationship. I did go to Tony Robbins. That didn't work. (laughs) You know, I I tried a lot of therapy. I'm still going to therapy. And it just felt with like work not going well and the relationship wasn't going well that I was like, I'm on my last leg of it. And I, I met someone who went and it seemed like it was really helpful for them. The experience for me, I posted on okdork.com and it went pretty viral about my experience where I ran away and I was scared and I ended up crying a lot. I think that's what a lot of people do in it. I think the thing that my friend said about the ayahuasca experience that I thought was the most interesting was that it just shows us that we can do something hard. It just kind of shows you who you are as a person, that you can face something hard and get through it. And then I think there's a lot of other ways of doing it. I don't think that's the only way. It's like everyone needs to make their own choice. Mm-hmm. that needs to feel when they're called like for you or I'm guessing you had something going on and I think sometimes it's going in with an intention like hey my mom experience like I have a Jewish mom which is similar to a tiger mom mm. and uh, <laughs> we need a better name for the Jewish moms though. <laughs> the tiger mom is so good what good branding <laughs> <laughs> really like okay and so I, I do think it's interesting to explore other avenues and if that's feeling right then uh, go for it well, thank you guys thank you thank you